value. And the concept of value, we often place a lot of it on talent, natural ability. You know, the things that people are born with, their natural gifts. And we all have a gift. We all have a natural talent. We all have an innate ability that can translate to a field or anything where we can be compensated for it. But when it comes down to being a successful entrepreneur or even taking it to the next level, a brand, a business, it's all about the value that you bring to your target audience, to your community, to your customer, and to your partners. That transferable value, what do I provide, what do I do that brings value to their lives, to their business, to them as a whole? And the fact is, it's actually one thing that separates the truly successful, the ones that have the longevity, the the ones that are not just following a trend. There's one thing that separates those from the businesses, the entrepreneurs, the gurus, whatever they may be, that have a very short lifespan and what we would consider and what they would consider being successful. And that's what we're going to get into today on The Ambition Show. We're going to go into exactly what's that one thing that has longevity, long-term success, and can keep providing value to one target audience, to your current target audience, to your future target audiences. It never stops and it keeps going, it keeps growing. And in fact, it can actually increase in value every day, every hour, every year. Let's get it. All right, everybody, let's get into it. I am your host, Aaron Muhammad, and welcome to The Ambition Show. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you so much for tuning in today, because in this episode, this is one of those episodes, and I've brought this up a couple times before, how the whole idea of this platform is not for you to watch. You know, you have to follow it in sequence. You know, unfortunately, this is this, we have this format in our head. Okay, we have to complete step A, B, C, D, you know, we have to follow a certain order of everything. And that's just not how things work all the time. And that's the thing about it. I noticed that from my experience of business school, my experience, of, you know, working with mentors, my experience of being a mentor. I've been honored, you know, I've been very honored where people have seen me as a mentor to where they would take my advice and I could help them and guide them and, they, and it, you know, help them succeed in, in one aspect or another. And the thing we I've often seen in all those experiences is that you don't necessarily have to complete one to get to the next one. You know, you don't necessarily have to follow one lesson to get to the next lesson because sometimes, and that's just how life works, right? And the same thing as the ambition show, it fits right into that in the way the real world of business is. Pop in episode one, two, three, and then jump to episode eight because it may be where you are in your business. And that's why I really wanted to get to this topic. And I brought up a couple topics before that were suggestions from, you know, thankfully current listeners, former clients, some peers. But in this episode specifically, this is something I, very interesting enough is it's popped up everywhere and it continuously pops up. But I must admit right now it was triggered <laughs> on a topic right now that's actually pretty trendy, even though you can listen to this anytime. It is actually be really good if you listen to it at any time. And one thing I have noticed is that we put a heavy emphasis on talent and abilities 
natural, you know, God-given. And it's it's very interesting how we fail to see where the true. It's very interesting where we see fail to see where the true value comes in, and it's actually value for both the recipient, the customer, as well as the service provider, the 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 business, the manufacturer, whatever it may be. And that is a skill. Skills are worth and more valuable than anything. The fact is, and this is why I say a skill is more valuable to both the customer, the end user, the target audience, as well as the service provider, as well as the producer, as well as the manufacturer, the company owner, the business owner. And that's because a skill, I can transfer skills. I can teach you skills. I can share my skills with you one, I can teach you. Two, I can actually do whatever the job or the, the service may be. I can train you. And then I can even go farther out where I develop training that can be conducted, that can be administered, and I don't even have to be there. As opposed to a talent and ability, which I cannot transfer to you. Although you can pay me pretty well. And this is what we're getting into today is that abilities, gifts, all that. The reason why we see professional athletes, the reason why we see you know, actors, whatever, you know, whatever may be in the entertainment and, and, and arts world, clearly because they have a unique ability, right? They're one in 100,000, they're one in a million. The drawback to that is if they don't optimize and if they don't, as we call, cash in on that talent at the peak, with the peak being obviously when it, it's the highest that they could get they can earn for it it's going to be hard for them to do anything else with that talent later on and worse yet when that talent is actually being surpassed by more talented people because people are being born every day and every day that new people are born every day new life comes into this world that's another day you're getting older and as we all know how unfortunately it, it's handled especially when it comes to something like sports and athletics you may be getting older, but you're not aging like a fine wine. And I thought about that because, you know, Tom Brady, arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time, clearly. But, you know, then there's going to be, like I said, arguably people are going to argue greatest NFL player of all time or greatest professional um, football player of all time. And that's I'm not trying to get into that debate. Right. Because there's a debate. I go based on a criteria. If we don't have a criteria, we don't have objective criteria, don't don't even get into an argument because you're going to go into nothing but emotion, personal connections, and, you know, it's all subjective at that point. That's cool. Not about that. We're talking about being, being very objective here. The fact is, the skills were there long enough to where he could continue to play at a high level and perform at a high level, highest level in his sport, which is the NFL. But not even not even just that, the highest level of potentially being a championship team almost every year he played. Or at least a championship level player almost every year he played, right? And even though arguably, there's a lot of people who are, who are say, hands down, Tom Brady's greatest football player of all time, or the greatest, at least the greatest quarterback of all time, and the greatest NFL player of all time because of just the championships alone. And what he's done in the game. Like I said, not trying to get into debates like that. But if you do have, because <laughs> I would like to see, I would like to get your opinion. 
who do you think is the greatest NFL player for the NFL? Uh, for those who are interested in NFL, I've always been partial to Jerry Rice. That's just me. But for those of you guys out there, who would you think Jerry Rice or Tom Brady? Or do you have a third? Right. I'll put a poll up on um, on our pages on social media. But which goes to Jerry Rice is another good example of this. Jerry Rice emphasis on his skill. He was a naturally fantastic athlete. But the man's work ethic was insane to sharpen his skills at his profession. And this goes right to the topic of the day. Skills will always be and they are far more valuable than your natural talents. Now, when you connect your talent, your gifts, your innate abilities, your the, the things that you're born with, that's when I, in my opinion, you become or you could reach that legendary status in whatever you do. It's when you connect your talent to mastering a skill set that optimizes your talent. Because some people's talent, natural abilities are just perfectly in tune with a specific profession or a specific technical skill that can be used for different professions. It's like a person who loves to read. They just love to consume information. They, and they know how to articulate that information when they're when they're having to present it, when they're, you know, whatever it may be, like a presentation, an argument. That's a person who, if you, from what I'm, you know, describing, if you pay attention, that actually that person could probably make a really great lawyer, especially a litigator. Because a lawyer's entire focal point is what? To truly argue. Well, from a litigator standpoint, to argue, right? From the standpoint of their, their client, their agency, or whomever they're the agent for, right? So if they can consume the information, they love to consume information, they love to read. And then they can not only articulate their argument very well, but they can articulate the argument of the person that they work for, which is really what you want your lawyer for. Shut up. I don't want to say the wrong thing and put myself in a, in a bad position. I don't want to say the wrong thing or write the wrong thing or sign the wrong thing. That's what my lawyer's here for, right? There's a lot of people. Have you ever met a person where they just... They put things together so clear cut to the point, but it's not based on facts. It's not based on research. It's not based on that. So they may have a natural ability for one half of it, but not necessarily the other side of it. I'll give you another example. I knew somebody, um, my first, as I call it, my first real job out of college. You know how that goes. I knew somebody. He wanted to be a surgeon. Okay, he was having he has a real job because he was paying for himself. He was paying for himself to go to medical school, which was absolutely amazing. And you know, he could only work certain hours and, and things like that. You know, so he was it was very rare that I got to see him. But one of the cool parts, you know, working with him is we have these really cool conversations because he's coming from a whole different world. He was coming from a whole different world. I mean, and when I say about a whole different world, I'm talking about literally background profession that he wants to pursue taking this job just just strictly because it's a decent paid job and they can you know give him some flexible hours so he can pay for himself to go through undergrad and then go through medical school because he's making good money to where he could save and you know put that towards medical school he was uh you know he came from ghana he you know lived with a family for a short period of time here in america it was amazing he's an amazing story one of the things about him was, or I should say one of the things that you know goes right to this, your natural ability being tied to and developing skills and then going to a profession and how you can use that to your advantage, was he talked about how 
his focal point. He wanted to become a cardiac surgeon. And he would always tell me about the different, um, you know, the different, of course, different types of uh, training that they would have to go through or where they will go through because he wasn't there yet. He talked about his hands. He had to have naturally steady hands. He had to have very delicate hands. And he's like, people don't think about, you know, unless you're really, unless you're really thinking about this at some point, you don't think about a surgeon's hands until you're with a surgeon, until you know somebody, or you're with a, or you're with a doctor. And how important that is. And that's a, that's a, I can't tell you how many people I know who do not have a completely steady hand. So they could never be a surgeon. He's like, yeah, you're gonna, you're, you're not even gonna get close to anything. Because when you start going through training, when you start going through school, they're gonna see this. And it's not gonna be able, you can't get past anything. And it's not something you can easily develop. In fact, a lot of people naturally have that. And then they have to wanna get into that field, of course. And it's amazing because you might not think about that unless you know somebody who's going into that field or already in that field. And I thought about that. I was like, that's what uh, for years made me think about different things where people have a natural ability and they obtain skills or, and then they identify a profession with that natural ability. They master the skills and they they lock in. And that's typically when we see the people who reach historic levels, legendary levels. And that's because skills, when they take those skills, they can then do, okay, I don't have to work anymore necessarily, right? I'm not saying that they're gonna just wanna retire and be done with life and everything in the profession. No, I don't wanna work anymore. Now I wanna train, I wanna teach. That's why when we hear the term, you know, those who can't do teach, that is completely false. If you think about it, a smart person is saying, hey, I don't have to do it anymore, so I'd rather teach. I don't have to do it anymore, so I'd rather train and mentor. Because I don't like the hustle and the bustle. And the and the, the craziest part about it is, when it comes to that statement, and it shows how wrong that state, or how inaccurate that statement is at least, look how many directors in Hollywood, look how many actors even, but I've heard a lot more about directors, but look, look at how many actors in Hollywood. How many professional musicians, backup singers, dancers, teach, train, have courses? Because they understand I have a skill that I can transfer. And this is, you're no different. You are no different. And I don't want you to think you're different in the regards of you can't do it as well. You are an entrepreneur, you're a small business owner. I was, and, and a lot of things go on. So that's why, like I said, the, kind of a triggering um a trend that i'm noticing is, is how people are like don't worry about you can do so much without skills i can't tell you i'm tired of seeing this on youtube i'm tired of seeing it on on courses on on different platforms where people are like oh my god all these different things that you can do without the skills all these things you can do without the skills because we have a, a get rich quick we have a concept of oh i need to hurry up and make money and i don't have the time to acquire skills now it's one thing if you say wait don't do anything, go to school and then then start working. That I'm not for. But the idea of promoting do, a, especially if you're gonna do work for another business, if you're gonna do work for an individual, you're taking somebody's money and they're investing in you and you feel, hey, I can do this without any kind of skills or knowledge and it's gonna come out great. That's, like I said, that's kind of the triggering thing for this topic. 
And I've started connecting and noticing that, wow, look at the people who take the time to master their skills and look at the level, look at what they look at the levels that they attain and what they reach in life. You as an entrepreneur, you as a ambitious individual, even if you haven't necessarily found your lane yet, the first thing, take a good inventory of what do you love to do? Because when you take, I love to do something. And you have a natural innate ability. God-given talent, however you want to look at it, a gift for it. And then you master the skills that will just propel that ability to where even if you can't type anymore, even if you can't write anymore, even if you can't dance anymore, you know, even if you, you, you have arthritis, doesn't matter. You can somehow translate and still be a part of the world that you love and take the skills and then teach others, train others, mentor others. And what this all comes back to is something we've talked about in branding in the past. It all comes back to value. But now you're giving you giving yourself longevity and the value for yourself as well as those, as well as the people that you bring value to. Whether it's a customer, a client, however you want to look at that, it's a mentee, it's a just a student in general, if you want to teach. You can make millions, if not even billions of dollars from your talents. But the odds are that your skills will give you more options and opportunities the longer you go and for a longer period of time. Your skills can be marketable. And you don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be a movie star. To be a plumber, to be an interior designer, to be an architect. To get licenses and certifications in those fields, what do they have to do? For my my aspiring architects, my aspiring my aspiring interior designers, plumbers, electricians, what do you guys need to do? If you don't know this, I'm telling you right now, you need to be either an apprentice, you have to work with a licensed individual, right, in that field or work for a licensed business before you can get your certifications and licenses yourselves. What does that mean? You have to work with somebody who has those skills already. And if you have those skills already, or if you have the skills and you or you want to attain the, obtain the skills, and you're thinking, oh, I'm just a plumber, I'm just an electrician, I'm just an HVAC guy, or no. You now have a skill that you can transfer to hundreds, maybe even thousands of other people in different ways. Developing an online course or developing an in-person course to help people get an understanding before they take that that plunge. Working at community colleges, working at universities. See, what we're getting across here is that what constantly gets underrated is because it's not ex- it's not super exciting. It's those work. I'm uh, sorry. It's the work those works it's the work in the gym it's the work in the workout room it's the work in the lab it's the work in the studio by yourself it's the work sitting down and studying the book taking notes because that's where the skills are developed 
It's the work that no one gets to see. It's the boring work. I brought this up before and I'll bring it again. I'm going to talk about her quite often. The very first real mentor, like it was, you know, it was a dedicated mentor relationship, mentor mentee relationship where I was like, okay, I identified a business owner and I reached out just on a whim and she was willing to say, Hey, you know what? I'll give you a couple hours every, and, and Hey, time is, time is money, but she was running her own business and or multiple businesses actually, um, at the time. And then by the time at the end of our mentorship, she actually sold the business. That's why I knew this would be the perfect person because this was kind of, kind of the mindset I was at at the time, especially when it comes to developing a business and selling a business. And the, the, the main focal point was to give you a few hours every, you know, every month, review your business plan, review, review your brand strategy, but review really what, what are you developing as a person and how are you providing value? And it always came back to skill. How skillful are you in this to where you can help others? Where you you master, or at least you become a, at at least an intermediate level, how can you then translate or transfer, sorry, how can you transfer those skills to someone else and help them? And she would always reference, don't worry about being a billionaire, millionaire, anything like that. You gotta think about it this way. Because if that is a focal point, right? Even though you shouldn't be concerned with it, but if that is a focal point, think about it this way. And I, when she broke it down like a fraction, y'all, I, I can't, can't deny it, man. This is the great way of looking at it. Think about it this way. How many millionaires work under a billionaire? A lot. A lot. How many people have a living wage? Okay. They have a livable wage. Middle class, upper class, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, but they're able to provide for their families. How many of those people work for a millionaire? A lot. So what constant, and this is what she explained, what constantly gets missed is that in order to be a billionaire, in order to be a millionaire, you actually have to make other people rich or you have to make other people living or living wage. She said, if you can't find, if you can't develop something to give to 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 provide people a living not that the work that you do in other words the service or the product that you make it's helping a business owner it's helping a family that's that's just one aspect of it she's like notice that billionaires don't work for by themselves and i did not think about that she's like say what you want and she and i and i this is before a lot of other controversies, of course, came up in the world. And then we know a lot of stuff about different people in higher positions. And we're not really getting into that kind of stuff because that, you know, we, we allow that to cloud a lot of other things. Even though there are important topics out there, we also allow that to cloud some other things. Let's pay attention to something you may not like, you may not care for, whatever it may be when it comes to one billionaire or another. But every time we talk about billionaire, they at least have one, if not two, if not three, if not four five companies that have hundreds of thousands of people working for them now nothing's perfect no one's perfect no situation's perfect but we live the lives that we make and we live the lives that we accept at a certain point 
If you don't like something, we got to find a way to fix it. We got to find a way to fix it. If we don't like something, we got to find a way to change it. When you're willing to admit that to yourself, the whole world changes. You live the life that you tolerate. So, if we want to earn more, we need more value. And a lot of times that value can come simply down to obtaining or maximizing one skill over another. Because I can't tell you enough how many people don't even pay attention. There's a skill out there that you could really go for, you could master, and you could actually work that five-hour work week, that that two-day work week. It's all about skills. What can I teach? What can I train? How can I develop an apprenticeship? How can I have uh, interns train them? Create a business just for training. And I know what you're probably thinking. Hey, yeah, there's a lot of business coaches, a lot of Instagram coaches. There are a lot of YouTube coaches, all that stuff. Yeah, and you know what? I guarantee you, a lot of them have put some time into those platforms. I know a couple of, of, of coaches, or not necessarily coaches, but people who train Instagram. They train how to use Instagram. Now, that's actually extremely valuable to a business that wants to utilize Instagram. You might not think it's valuable, but hey, if for the business that's going to pull in five, ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars a month off of revenue from Instagram, I think it's very valuable. They know it's very valuable. And for that person that you might be laughing at, oh my God, they, they're an Instagram trainer, they're an Instagram social media inf- uh, expert. Yeah, but how many times did she or he put into learning the algorithm, learning how Instagram works, understanding it? All the stuff you're not willing to do, or I should say all the stuff you probably can't do because you're running your business. Why not hire them? And you can automatically, now you automatically see, boom, that person's skills on Instagram has given more value to your business and now is actually giving more value to themselves and what they do. And then what he or she can do is they can then train that out to somebody else and then do it again and replicate it again. Now, do we have people out here who claim to be experts in one field or another and they're not? Yes. This is why we come through, you know, ways to vet people, third party certifications, things like that. And there are, there are a lot, actually. In fact, what I'll do in this episode, what I'll do in this episode is in the uh, description of this episode, I will put the various certifications or uh, certificates, right, classifications that that in different fields such as social media, digital marketing, web development, you know, the more virtual and, and, and digital world, um, the things that, let's be real, sometimes it's harder for us to, to navigate or for those to the naked eye to navigate which, which what's legit or not. I'll put links to some of the top programs that are out there, respected programs by third party, not just by myself. Not, these are not just the programs that, um, that I consider 
some of the best. These are actually industry standards, especially from the, the world of, of marketing, of um, information technology, web development, and uh, computer sciences. So I'll put links to some of those top programs and those might be the programs that you're looking for. You might be like, hey, I, you know what? I have that ability, I have that talent. I enjoy what I do, but I want something, to, I want that credential that helps me, got you. I'll put that in there because honestly, that could be the one thing that's separating you from everyone else. And typically that is, and it's fair enough, right? But the skills, the value is in the skill. And I'm so glad at a very young age, I met a mentor that focused on what kind of value are you bringing? Can you, can you give people jobs? Can you help people get jobs? Can you help people make jobs? Can you help people keep jobs? That's value. That's huge. So this way where you're thinking, oh my God, the only way I can ever be super rich or even rich and successful, I have to be a professional athlete. No. Everything from the plumber to the HVAC person to, to, the, commercial, um, to the commercial driver, you know, those are skills that if once you get down to the level, especially a mastery, and then you can translate and train uh, and train that out, I'm, I'm just gonna be real with you. I don't care how long I was, I would be in the gym with a Michael Jordan or anybody, I will never be able to play like them. And I can tell you right now, there are guys, men and women, who've probably been playing basketball since they were little kids. And even if they trained with Michael Jordan or any other major basketball player, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, doesn't matter. They will never even come close to reaching that level. Not knocking that person training with them and not knocking the, 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 the fantastic player, the iconic player that they're training with, that they're working out with. It's just not going to happen because a lot of that's based on their natural God-given talent and abilities. And even then that's going to wear out for that individual. But if you study and you work with some of the best in fields where your mind is being pushed to the limits and you surpass that, not only will you be able to potentially replicate work, but easily you could outdo that person one day if you put your time into it. And here's the best part of it. You can then do the same thing for customers, for clients, and those are three revenue streams sitting right there for you. So when we come back, what we go over are the essential technical skills first. The essential technical skills, not only the ones that are in most demand right now, but you'll be shocked. There's four skills on here that have not gone anywhere, y'all. This is the crazy part. And I'll put, I'll put the link in there. But when we come back, we'll go over four specific technical skills that have been in demand amongst employers, not just in America, not just in Asia, not just in Europe, but everywhere in the world. For the past 10 years, four skills, four technical skills have been constantly in the top 10 in demand. Okay, and this is not about going to school for 15, 20 years to get them. That's how, that's what I'm saying. Skills go a long way and they're transferable and they can go to so many different industries when we come back on the Ambition Show. All right, now we're back, you guys. And now let's get into the technical skills, the most in-demand technical skills. This is Aaron Muhammad with the Ambition Show. 
And in this episode, we're talking about the value of skills, right? And which skills are the most valuable, whether you're, you are an aspiring entrepreneur, you are currently in your entrepreneurial venture, you're about to start a new business, right? Or you're already in your small business and you're just trying to obtain skills or skills that can help you in different ways. So first off, just to, um, class, just to kind of classify a few of these, these are the technical skills, right? These are the technical skills where the term there's off, there's a term that's been around for years called like hard skills and soft skills, right? Um, I noticed, and it, it makes perfect sense. Some of the best entrepreneur, I'm sorry, some of the best uh, HR minds, some of the best people in human resources, you know, they've really started going away from calling it hard skills, soft skills, just because of the idea of what, you know, what that brings in. It, it doesn't, it doesn't even fully relate, right? There's more so, and the better terminology to use is technical skills or interpersonal skills. Fantastic. Um, couple of the HR links that I've put into this description, they reference this transition, but also in how you should start citing these, whether it be your resume, your portfolio, your LinkedIn, um, and you know, to, to, to improve your LinkedIn level. Actually, you know what, and I'm sidebar, I always do these sidebars, of course, and try not to go off on too much of a tangent sometimes, but we're gonna have a whole episode, at least a short episode. I'll do it in a one shot where we're going to get away from the term LinkedIn level because, you know, I love LinkedIn. You guys know that it's my favorite of all the platforms, networking platforms, social, technically social media platform as well. Um, besides a YouTube, LinkedIn is my favorite, but we're going to get away from using the term LinkedIn level. And I'll, and I'll get into that in another episode, but in one of those one shots, but these um, experts in HR, and they made a really great point. You know, we really got to stop using terms like hard skills, soft skills. And there's a lot of other terms out there just because of the it doesn't really. It doesn't really tell you what the heck the skill is getting to, you know, technical skills, obviously some form of information technology, some form of technology in general. That makes sense. That makes sense to call that a technical skill. Interpersonal skills, skills on how we communicate, how we relate to others, how we think, how we process information makes perfect sense because it's all about communication. It's all about interpersonal communication and relationships, right? And, and, and that really will help us understand the roles that are best for us. You know, are you better being a people manager? Are you better at having direct reports? Are you better being a technical manager and managing things? You know, but how is that soft? It's not soft. So let's go over first the technical skills. And I brought it up right before we went to break. Four of these technical skills have been, have a link in the description, have been in demand by, and we're talking the top employers. And I know we are focused on being entrepreneurs or we are already entrepreneurs, or we may have a job, you know, or we're looking for a job to complement, supplement our income. Everybody's entrepreneurial and ambitious journey is different. I bring this up, though, that if the jobs, if the biggest companies in the world are looking for these skills, if you are a freelancer, if you are a consultant, if you are a contractor, I'm telling you right now, the companies you're pursuing, if you're not pursuing one of these big corporations, first off, don't know why you're not. 
don't sell yourself short. You deserve you deserve a paycheck as well. You deserve that mailbox money. Okay, now it's more like cash app money, but you deserve it. However you want to call it. <laughs> okay, I got to you got to change the terms with the times, right? Who wants a paper check anymore? <laughs> well, we take any check, but who wants a paper check? Anymore? But no, really, if you pay attention to what's going on with larger corporations looking for employees, the same thing is going to happen when they're looking for consultants and contractors. Because in my experience, this is what happens. We can't afford an FTE or a full-time employee. So what do we do? We get a consultant. We get a group of consultants. We get contractors. Right? If you are a corporation or you're starting a small business, research, product research, content creation, social media management. Well, instead of them hiring a social media manager, instead of them hiring a digital marketer, full-time employee, no, you know what? Instead of us paying that person 65,000, 75,000 a year, right? Instead of us shelling out maybe $6,000 a month for a paycheck, we're willing to cut that in half and give that to a contract firm, a consulting firm, maybe a little more than half. Because remember, now they don't have to pay for the insurance. They don't have to pay for all those other aspects. So maybe they can beef up the pay to say, well, you know what? We can actually give them $7,000 because we don't have to pay all of this other stuff. We can actually give them $10,000 a month because we don't have to pay all this other stuff because they're an FTE. So these skills are very helpful. If the top employers are looking for them all over the world or some, or the majority of them, I should say, not all of them, the majority of them, basically, you check out that link in the description. You can bet, best believe, the companies you're pursuing are. So number one, and this is by far, I my my job, multiple jobs in corporate America, I was always shocked to find out how many people didn't use this on a daily basis. Now I definitely had to sharpen my skills because I what which is what constantly happens in this. Why I just said sharpen my skills. We're talking about skills. I obtained the skill in college. I utilized it a lot in college in the first job when I really didn't have to do it. And I was working this job for what, two and a half years. I barely used it and the skills became dull and they, you know, I hate to say it. I kind of kind of reverted a little bit, right? I went backwards as opposed to forwards. I had to relearn a lot of things. And like most skills, the more I did it, the more I applied it every day, got better. Microsoft Excel. Now, the funny thing about Microsoft Excel, it is not the first platform for spreadsheets. It's a spreadsheet management, spreadsheet manipulation, you know, desktop software, desktop application by Microsoft made very famous many years ago with the first or one of the first iterations of Microsoft Office. It's not the first to manage spreadsheets and do accounting and finance management, but because you can do a lot more. That's just very basic and do so much more but it's quite possibly up until recently the easiest to not master but to manage for so many other job functions than just a spreadsheet because the spreadsheet is just the canvas it's like any other canvas you can do so much with it. i've seen people make some of the best documentation, report documentation with a Microsoft Excel sheet. 
and you would think they did it in Adobe, you know, uh, Photoshop or something. Just talking about the, the organization and how it translated the data and how it translated the information. But the reason why this is such an important skill is just to that point, the data. Right. We're so we have such we're finally seeing the heavy emphasis on data across so many types of positions and jobs. None of that's changing for an entrepreneur. None of that is changing for a consultant. None of that is changing for a business coach. None of that is changing for you as running your own business. None of it. Because the business owner that can easily manage the most basic spreadsheet and calculate and see where her sales, her profit loss, her revenue, turn it into a report for herself on the very basic levels and just managing the numbers can save herself a lot of time. But then here's the best part about that. I didn't say what type of business owner she was, did I? She could be a business owner from a restaurant, cafe, an accounting firm, which you definitely you think she knows how to use spreadsheet in this case. From a gallery owner to a beauty salon. Doesn't matter. An e-commerce store. Doesn't matter. Because what I'm getting at is now, what if those businesses, God forbid, what if those businesses are not doing too well? What if in the beauty shop something happens like a pandemic or a quarantine where you can't have multiple people come in, where you can't have a lot of people come in, where you have to close down the shop? I'm not talking about, I know some people might think, well, what do you mean? She's going to get a side job or something, um, you know, where Excel's needed. No. What if she's teaching a course for a beauty shop, cosmetology, whatever the industry that may have been affected by the natural disaster or what's going on in the world? Hey, you know what? When things get up and running again, this is how you need to manage your books with Excel. That's not far-fetched. I have seen this and I can tell you right now. In the link, um, in the description of this episode, we have multiple business owners that did this. Their pivot wasn't, oh, I'm going to do my business on the road. I'm going to do my business in another state or country. Their pivot was, I have these other skills that I use for my business and I can help others in my industry, in my industry. Because I already have the network, y'all. Wink, wink, going back to another episode about networking. I already have the network. These are people I've never asked for a paycheck for. These are people I've never asked for money for. But you know what? We're all suffering right now. And you know what? We got to take care of our businesses. So when this quarantine hit, I'm going to help them. And you know what? Because we support each other, they have no problem paying for the course. They have no problem telling other people outside of our network about the course. That skill has become translatable and tra uh, sorry, transferable. And has allowed me to stay in business, if not do better business, while my primary business is closed or my primary business has to take a backseat for a few days or a few moments, a few months. Intermediate, intermediate level in Microsoft Excel. Once you hit intermediate level in Microsoft Excel, you're at intermediate level. You just keep building on it. So don't think that you have to be an expert right away. Get to a level where it's working. It's a knowledgeable level. You can get in there every day. You can build and, ma and manage basic spreadsheets, basic accounting. Will you become a CPA overnight? No, but that's not that's not the point. The goal isn't to, be, to change an entire profession. These are trans 
transferable skills across industries, across business sectors. The second is Adobe. Adobe, specifically Adobe Creative Suite, even more specific, Photoshop and Premiere. Now we're seeing the growth in Premiere because there's a heavy emphasis on video. There's a heavy emphasis on video content, video marketing. And really, there's, there's only one, in my opinion, in the opinion of a lot of people who work in the, in the video content field, there's only one other platform or program at the level of a Premiere Pro. Okay, and that's really Final Cut. But Photoshop has not gone anywhere and is not going anywhere. The craziest part about it, and I'm a huge fan of platforms like Canva, love Canva, absolutely. Even Canva, right? Canva was actually in many ways developed, if you, if you pay attention to it, it's developed in a response to Photoshop. For those of you who can't really master Photoshop right off the bat, here's a great gateway. And that's exactly what's happening. A lot of people are getting into Canva. They're like, wow, I can really, I can do a lot of this with graphics because I couldn't do it before from a, from a uh, web-based platform. Well, take it to the next level and go to Photoshop. But you notice it doesn't say, or no one's thinking replacing Photoshop just yet at least. Not sure what their strategic outlook is over at Canva. But it's going to be a long, 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 long time before Photoshop is completely completely um you know replaced by anything from a digital marketer from a virtual assistant and an admin an administrative assistant secretary however you want to call it now photoshop isn't going anywhere and a lot of people require these skills I should say a lot of businesses require these skills and a lot of people from these different businesses are looking for it. Because if they don't have the time to learn it themselves, they're gonna find somebody who does know it. And here's, once again, going back to the Excel piece, you can train the basics. Yeah, they're not gonna become a master like you overnight, or they're not gonna become an expert level like you overnight. So you, don't have, so you shouldn't be afraid of having more competition. The only people who are afraid of competition are the people who are not completely confident in their own skills and knowledge. Those are typically the people who are afraid of competition. Just being 100% with you. Because if I'm confident in what I do, I, no offense, I don't care how good you are. I'm gonna outdo you. Now, also, keep in mind, I'm a competitive person. But you don't even have to come from that competitive standpoint as in, I don't care what you're doing over there. I'm gonna focus on me because I don't need all nine, eight billion people around the world to become my clients and my customers. No, I need my group of people to become my clients. Still that target audience that I focus on. So get, the, get that other stuff out of your mind, like, oh, you don't wanna train people or you're concerned about making a course or you're concerned about just you know, making, maybe even, even white papers, right? Where you're just sharing your knowledge on a, on a field or on ability, right? And what's changing in graphic design? How would you know that? Some of the best research papers are typically written by the people who are doing so much great work. And then, you know, they say, you know what? I'm gonna take the time to finally share some of this knowledge with the world. 
And then people pay them for more information. People pay them for testimonials. People pay them for testing. People pay them for consulting. And where and the next skill that has grown, like I said, over the past, well over the past 10 years, Excel and Photoshop. Right? But Premiere Pro has grown over the past three to four years, as the report shows. The next one that's also grown in about the same time for about five years at the most, maybe, is Google Analytics. Because the growth and the need for analytics and people to understand analytics from different platforms has gone through the roof. Now, there are other platforms to, to um, there's other analytical tools out there, but the thing about Google Analytics, number one, it's free. It's free for you just to jump in there and start learning. It's free to you to jump in there and start using because you can connect it to your website and go from there. And this is also why you go back and you want to have your website as soon as possible so it can start tracking that traffic. And if you have no traffic, it has been around a long time, it's not really going to do you any good. Another thing is you have to have your own domain. This goes back to what we were talking about before, digital real estate. You have to check that episode out. Check it out. It's a great episode. Just to get the basics and understanding of why digital real estate is important and that investment is so necessary right now with the reality of the way the world's changing. But you have to have a domain website. Connect that thing. And here's the great part about it. Just as I gave the example of white papers from, from people who just taking their entire lives to focus on a specific skill or specific um, industry. There is so much information about Google Analytics. Former Googlers, former people who used to work at Google, people who used to work at Alphabet, right? Between YouTube, between blogs, between courses on a great platform like Udemy, there is so much information on Google Analytics. And just to get the basics, but here's the, here's the crazy part. When there's so much information out there, it's the same thing. A lot of people who really do need it, they won't seek it. Instead, they'll find a person. They're like, you know what? And this is the business owner mentality, right? This is really, honestly, this is the millionaire, billionaire mentality. I don't have the time to sacrifice because it is sacrifice. I don't have the time to use that towards this and trying to learn and master this skill, taking away from my primary source of income or building up my empire. Instead of taking that time, because this is what typically the most successful business people do, especially in that lane, that millionaire, billionaire lane, they rather trade money for time. Or I should say, better yet, clarify that. They rather utilize money to save time because they can't buy more time. You can't buy more time. You're given 24 hours and that's all you got, right? But instead, what they'll do is, Instead of spending that two, three, four, five hours learning to mastering this skill, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend a couple of hundred thousand, whatever it may be, a month, a year to save myself those hours per day. Because at this point, I know a professional, an expert, a person who focuses on this is working on it. And number two, I can focus on making money or doing what I do best, my my primary focus, my responsibility. This is why a lot of people don't know this. And, and it's kind of obvious, but a lot of people don't know this until you get in the industry. Most people don't know. Most marketing firms, 
have a marketing firm. In other words, most marketing firms don't market themselves. Right? There's certain industries where the people are doing the work for themselves. The same industry that they're in, they do it for themselves. The crazy part about it is marketing is not the same. Many marketing agencies and corporations, big or small, will have another marketing firm do it for them. That's why you see a large sector of marketing firms that focus on marketing firms. Right? So you may have one firm that focuses on all aspects of marketing and digital marketing. And they their target audience are advertising firms. Their target audience are PR firms. Their target audience are web development firms. Their target audience are social media firms. Because they know, hey, you guys are focusing so much on that same industry for your clients. You don't have enough time necessarily to do it for yourself unless you have your own department for that. So when you are obtaining these skills, it could be the same thing where, yeah, the person might work within the industry, but they don't necessarily have the time to train out new people. They don't necessarily have the time to bring in a whole department. This is where your skills surpass all that talent. You might be the most talented of all, not, not knocking your ability with Photoshop, analytics, data science, anything like that. Just saying, the more you sharpen these skills and you get it to, down to a point where it's easy to teach and train and package up in a course, you've now given yourself multiple streams of revenue. The next one that's growing the most are CRMs. Customer Relationship Management Platforms. The name, it kind of goes without saying, but I think we know at least, if it's not the most well-known, it's definitely in the top three, Salesforce. Okay. The next CRM that I first became aware of and utilized initially was HubSpot. But companies are asking for CRM knowledge because they need to understand what's going on with their audience. They need to understand what's going on with the data from their customers, from the from their customers, their target audience, and their interactions. So you have HubSpot, you have Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, Adobe. There's so many different CRMs out there, and all from pretty much the biggest corporations on uh, biggest technological corporations on earth, and IT firms. Oracle has a CRM. Almost every major firm has one. So what if you have the knowledge to not only how to set one up in a very efficient, streamlined way with sales teams, marketing teams, graphic design teams, and easily build out reports to where directors and managers, even business owners can easily see their data and know what's happening with their audience, know what's happening in communication. But what if you have the knowledge just to teach and train that out? Skills, people, skills go farther. Skills go so much farther. Finally, this is actually one that's been overlooked. The others have been, you know, in demand and constantly growing demand or or steady demand over the past five to 10 years. But this one gets overlooked here and there. And it's, it's amazing until we get more and more focused on marketing. And that is copywriting. 
specifically being able to proofread your work or proofread others' works, edit, create clear calls to action that that trigger engagement. And the more we see an emphasis on SEO and keywords, the more copywriting gets really, really important for no matter what industry, no matter where you go. Because at the end of the day, okay, the text on any platform online, it's being read by the computers. It's being read by other websites. It's being read by other search engines. And it's based on your copywriting ability, your skills in drafting text in your marketing and advertising material. To state, hey, they the, the algorithm, the search engines know, should we send traffic to that platform based on those keywords, based on the text that was used? You know, copywriting will grow more and more important the more we get away from just strictly or the the, the heavy emphasis on in-person right opportunities because of the fact that we need to get people to we need to get people to consume engage and just grab attention of our content online in order to get to that next level whether it's a conversation over the phone it's a face-to-face meeting more and more Okay, if our content is going to have to speak for us. And even though we're going to use, clearly we're going to use, you know, audio with podcasts and platforms like Discord and and obviously visual and specifically video content. Well, you can't tell me, I don't care how great your video content is. We, for those of us who are on YouTube, for those of us who are using platforms, you know, like uh, like social media platforms where we're posting far more video, your keywords, your hashtags, your the title of, you know, some of your content, that will always come into play because as I've brought up before, computers specifically are search engines. They love to read. That's what they're based on. You know, even if you tell them, hey, we're putting in descriptive content, we're putting descriptive um, you know, meta tags and, and metadata. Yeah, but you're putting in descriptions. You're putting in keywords. You're describing what it looks like. So the search engine, so algorithms know what to push and where to push it and who to who to present it to. Right. So. To say that there will not be a need and the need isn't growing, for one, that's factually not correct. But that's clearly a person or individuals who don't want to look at the, who don't want to see the future for what it is. Because I know in my industry, there's a great, there's a great article about this in the description of this episode about the growth of SEO, which is amazing because SEO is actually still more economical. It's cheap. It's cheaper for, you know, lack of a better term than running ads. And it's all based on if you know what you're doing, especially with keywords from a, I mean, from both on page and off page, but especially from an on page perspective. And SEO is not restricted to your website. It's all of your online content. It's your social media. It's everything. So 
So looking at how this skill is gonna grow, every position from administrative, virtual assistants, you know, digital marketers, publicists. I mean, it. this can go across any position. Everything from everybody from an accountant to a doctor, architect, anybody who's gonna produce any kind of content online that wants to be seen will have to have some basics in this. And here we go again. That's why I brought up about freelancers and entrepreneurs. Once again, those individuals who are in that field, if they don't want to acquire those skills, they're gonna look for somebody with those skills. And that's not just a talent, that's a skill, right? Yeah, you can you can know how to write per, per, uh, you know, per, uh, persuasive text, but at the end of the day, if you don't know the basics of setting up a proper Google Analytics pixel, what keywords to, pl to plug in, you know, what are, you, what are the triggers you're looking for, what, how to draft a call to action, but then also where's the best placement for that call to action. It's a combination just like, every, just like everything else I brought up. Your talents, your abilities matched with the skills or enhanced by those skills, right? Then understanding or utilizing one of the top CRMs, there's great certifications out there for each of those platforms that I mentioned, and, and there's plenty of other CRMs that are out there. Fantastic platforms. And of course, once again, more creative tools, visually, you know, visual design tools, everything from video, graphic design, audio, 3D modeling. And then finally, of course, you know, understanding the, and how to or tools to help you understand what the data is telling you and how to make the data tell a story. You know, from your basic SQL, visual basics, I'll go into just even understanding the foundations of and the, and the fundamentals of Excel, right? Can advance you. So don't think that the skills that people are asking for, for jobs per se, are any different than the skills that are really help you enhance your entrepreneurial, you know, value, especially from the perspective of a freelancer, a consultant, a contractor. You know, if you're the, if you're the one actually administering the work, these skills will become the game changer from those of, of those out there who are just saying, oh, I can do some very manual remedial task with no technical skills whatsoever and I'm not going to take the time to learn technical skills. Yeah, they may be able to get some very basic tasks out, but I can tell you right now, it's going to take them longer to do it. Therefore, it's going to it's going to take them more time to where they're they're knocking out one gig where you're knocking out 10 gigs. I have seen this literally from contractors and consultants who had those skills and from those who didn't. You could give one one consultant a report to do and they can complete it within an hour while you give that same task to another who did not have that technical skill and did not take the time to develop that technical skill and it would take them days and that's a game changer that's a huge game changer right so never count out if the employers are looking for this same thing your potential clients and customers will be looking for this as well now when we come back we're going to go over the interpersonal skills those skills that were also that were once called soft skills, but truly the best way to categorize them in interpersonal skills, what skills are needed. And those skills will be the difference between you having clients, having a pipeline of, of, 
of sales. And honestly, you struggling out there and having to really fish. And I mean, take a lot of time to just gather, you know, a good, a good, a good pipeline of sales and good pipeline of, of leads. Very important interpersonal skills to acquire when we come back. All right, what's good, everybody? Let's get it. So interpersonal skills. Now, we went over those technical skills. Let's talk about the interpersonal skills. And I'm not exaggerating. These could simply be the skills that determine if you're going to have a steady pipeline of leads and clients. And honestly, if you're struggling, you're working hard and you're fighting, fighting for every single one just to get them through the door, just to get them meet. Because interpersonal skills, and that's why it's great that to hear uh, the, the article I referenced a couple times in the description, it's great to finally see that people are recognizing the fact that, hey, these aren't soft skills. These are needed. You know, these are these are the skills that honestly, let's be real, like, if I don't like that person, I don't like talking to that person. I don't like listening to that person. I'm not going to deal with that person, you know, and it's crazy to think that it's crazy to think that how many people overlook these and um how many people have considered them kind of like they weren't even needed to get a job or keep a job. Crazy part is the same exact thing when it comes to a client, to keep a client, to gain a client, to keep a client, right? And to get a steady pipeline of clients. And here's the cool part about it. This is not about you compromising who you are as a person. This is not about you, you know, having to go out and party all the time. This is not you going, you know, people, people get it confused where, oh, if I like that person, that means it's a person I can have a good personal relationship with. Not necessarily. Don't get me wrong. That does play, that, that actually does play a role, of course, in business. I know when people talk about you got to separate the business and the personal, I can tell you really that's almost impossible to do in some, in some aspects, because we all know if the person you're actually enjoying speaking to that person, working to, with that person, it's going to be very easy for you. And, or you at least be more inclined to refer somebody to that person, right? You'll be more inclined to say, you know what? That that cat is really good at their job. Yeah, I know. I call people cat all the time. Sorry about that. But that cat is really good at their job. You know what I'm saying? They know what they do. They understand the business front and back. They know it like the back of the hand. But you have a good conversation with them. And that's when it transitions. You hear that business, the business savvy or the understanding or knowledge transitions to that personal level. You know, they, they'll break it down better for you. They'll help you understand it. They're easy to talk to. They're, they're good listeners. That has nothing to do with being professional or personal. That's just a, a skill. That's an interpersonal skill. A person's a good listener. So start off teamwork. I can't tell you how many times I have literally seen incredibly smart people who are struggling because they just don't know how to work with other people. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much knowledge you have in a, in a uh, specific field. Don't get me wrong. Now, it's not, I'm not saying you can't make money. First off, I'm not going to say I'm not I'm never going to say that, As, especially if it's a really strong technical skill or I should say a technical skill that's hard to acquire at a, at a certain level. We all know there's certain certifications you may not be able to obtain or it's harder to obtain. But if you can work with people, you can work with a group, right? That changes everything. Because then I want to sit down and I want to listen to you. Then I want to sit down. I want to listen to you about your ideas. 
Ideally, who is this kind of person? This is typically the person, this is typically the investor. This is typically the person who knows the investor because a lot of these relations, a lot of opportunities or the few that I've seen firsthand is where you're not working with the person who's the actual investor. If you're the idea guy, you're, you are talking to the individual who has a relationship with the investor, right? And if they say, hey, you know what? Let's collaborate somehow. Let's work together somehow. And we're going to present it together to that investor. That's, that's a form of teamwork right off the bat. I'll give you another example. And I've seen this the most. You have the person with great ideas. And they can't sell them at all. Because they can't communicate with a team. They don't know how to work and collaborate. They're all, these are my ideas, or this is the way I work. It's a lot of I, it's a lot of me. And every time they present anything, even if they say we or our or teams, it always comes back, it always has that, that very individual sound. It doesn't sound like it's mutual, there's no mutual value in what's being presented because they don't think that way. They don't think in a team. Then it's really hard for them to motivate people because they're not thinking about motivating other people. They're thinking about themselves and they only think about what motivates them. The ability to work with a team. And a lot of this starts off in the very beginning. And hey, I'm not talking about backtrack to when you were three, because clearly you can't turn back time. All right. I know that. Duh. We don't have the time stone. Okay. Plus, Dr. Strange got rid of that thing. So, you know, we're all we're all pretty much at the mercy of what other multiverse creature comes. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm going on a Marvel tangent. Anyway, um, you can see the background of my office. You know I love Marvel. Anyway, <laughs> so it's all about starting as soon as possible to work with groups. This is why one of the best things about high school and college, especially college, especially if you're dealing with like a business program, anything when it comes to a business program, is because they force you to work with teams. Right? And, you know, when people talk about they don't see the benefit of going to college, it it really is a it's a heavy cost benefit analysis that everyone has to do for themselves. Going to college specifically for for specifically for that bachelor's degree. Not so much the master's, but especially for that bachelor's degree. Everyone should do a cost benefit analysis for themselves, right? But one of the things I can say for almost every business program, I actually I take that back. Every business program that I've ever seen, in other words, I got to see curriculum or agenda or whatever it may be, the breakdown of what they learn, everything focused on team building. And there's a reason for that, because in the business world, you have to learn to work through people. You have to learn to work with people. And I remember someone made a they they caught themselves, they make a they made a slip up, but it actually was the right word to use. You have to know how to be used and use other people. Now you could take that negatively, but if you really think about what I'm saying, and I'll, I'll, I'll clarify if you need more clarification for it. But value, what value am I to you on your team? What value are you to me on my team? Going back to Marvel. Heck, I use it all the time. I love Marvel all day, every day. You can clearly once again see in my office there's a specific character. Well, there's three characters really of my favorites, but there's one character of all, right? I just brought up, you know, the Infinity Stone. Let's focus on Avengers. That's a team. Everyone has a specific role. 
everyone has a specific task within a given situation, within a given battle, whatever it may be, right? Therefore, everyone has a value to the group. Everyone's an asset. So everyone can be used technically to reach the ultimate goal, whatever that goal may be for the group and for that specific battle that they're they're involved in and vice versa. They're usable and they're using each other. That's what teams do. We're going to make some sacrifices as a group, pushing that individual crap away for a second and focusing on the team. If you are the type of individual that can't see that and can't develop those relationships, you will be hard pressed to get anything off the ground. And here, it, in everything I talked about the team, your number one investor is an, is an entrepreneur. Who's your number one investor? In the comments of this episode, who is your number one investor? Why don't you type in your answer? My number one investor is, and there's one right answer for this. My number one investor in my entrepreneurial venture. I would love to see what your answer is in the comments. Because you only have one. I'm going to go through the other interpersonal skills. But leave a comment. And I'm going to answer those comments. I'm going to actually answer those. So whether it's on YouTube, whether it be on you know, our, our podcast website, doesn't matter. I'm going to answer them all. But I want to know, who is your number one investor as an entrepreneur? And I can tell you right now, the company that started off as a startup that has never gotten it, well, scratch that, that may have gotten this wrong once, but they haven't gotten it wrong since, is Apple. They've gotten this right almost every single year of their existence. And the company, two companies continue to struggle. <laughs> And focusing on their number one investor. <laughs> okay. And and one of those companies is. God bless their souls. <laughs> the company that basically was started. And wanted to be Apple. At one point. Or at least the founder wanted to be like Steve Jobs. Right. Uh, for my tech people. You know what I'm talking about. But Apple's never gotten this wrong. Honestly I think. I, for a very short period of time. They may have gotten it wrong, but they pretty much haven't gotten this wrong. Who's the number one investor? Write down who's your number one investor in the comments. So next interpersonal skill, it goes right along with team building, verbal written communication. Okay, we talked about copywriting, but copywriting is a, is a technical skill, right? How to develop persuasive text, how to, how to break down storytelling. Those are skills, right? If you speak to a... If you speak to a person who can really develop a really good screenplay, it is interesting how a story can be broken down like that. And it's really crazy how when you meet a screenwriter or a playwright, and then you see them collaborate with a person who writes dialogue. I've, I've seen this a couple of times and it's a very, very cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost stupefying. Like, wow. When you hear someone read out, read the, screen, the, the scenes, and then they put dialogue to the screens and it's a completely different person. I've seen this. It's awesome. It's incredibly awesome. It's incredibly awesome. Because it takes a certain level of, of understanding how that scene needs to be conveyed verbally. That's skill. That's, that's a whole other technical skill 
right? Don't get me wrong, you have a talent, you could have ability for it, but that's a technical skill too, right? Because you're translating, because all this has to be then translated into an actor acting it out and someone conveying it a certain way and, and, and you know, giving that, um, that dialogue uh, a certain level of emotion. But the interpersonal skill of just basic verbal and written communication sounds obvious. It's like, yeah, I know how to speak and I know how to write. No, because I brought up one specific aspect of or, or, or a key element within the verbal written listening. Right. Listening. Can you convey a concise, cohesive, persuasive message verbally and write it down and, and put it in an email? I've seen it to where a person could put an email, they had an idea and okay, yep, that's approved because of the way they presented it. And it wasn't, you know, 50 paragraphs. It wasn't a, an hour long read. No, it might've been a couple of lines, but the way they did it, because they knew how to tailor a message to the audience. There's a combination of technical skills and interpersonal skills. And if you notice a lot of the interpersonal skills I'm going over, once again, reference this, this, um, this great article from one of the top HR websites regarding the skills that are in most demand. If you notice I'm connecting, the technical actually has a, a direct correlation with some of the interpersonal, right? Because I have to present, I want to get a budget. Hey, you know what? No, scratch that. Let's let's get away from business. Uh, sorry, let's get away from being a, an employee. Boom. Let's hit you with the entrepreneurial level. I want a meeting with your boss. I want to meet with a high value individual to get this contract for my business. You are the gatekeeper. I need to basically present to two people. I need to present to you and know what will work with for you, right? What value does it have for you? Why would you want to just listen to me and what I have to say? And listen to me for five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it may be for this spill, right? You're the director of the department. I need to speak to the VP because the VP is the one that actually has to sign off on everything. They want to see the presentation, but you're like, hey, you're not gonna make me look bad in front of my VP. You want this contract? I gotta see it because then I have to draft up that business proposal. I have to draft, I have to drive up that business, uh, draft that business case, okay? For those of you entrepreneurs who never worked on that corporate level, this is important to understand. Especially you want those bigger contracts. You got to talk to you got to talk to a couple people. Because remember, entrepreneurs, especially when you start out, you're a salesperson, too. You're a business development person, too. You're not just a CEO. You're not just a founder. OK. So in that presentation or in that just discussion, I'm presenting to two people simultaneously. If you don't get that through your head right away, you're going to miss out on it because I have to present the value to you. In other words, why is it even worth speaking to me? And why is it worth me getting my message to your boss? You have to get that message. You have to be the one to potentially draft up that business case as well. You have to be the one to say, you know what? You need to meet this guy. Or you know what? We need to buy his product. That's They're going to be putting themselves on the line at that point. Can you package that up nice in a nice, concise presentation? Listening to, to their cues paying attention to their body language and understand what they need to see or understand as value 
which goes right with negotiation skills, which is the next interpersonal skill. Because what if there's a give and take? You're presenting a package. You're presenting a suite, right, of, of services or products or offerings. Do you understand the basics of it is a give and take? I'll tell you right now, the best negotiators, they understand two things. Number one, going to give up some things. But number two, I've prepared beforehand of what I'm willing to give up because then I don't lose. I know. All right. I can we can get rid of the bells and whistles. It's like a really good car set, a car salesman, right? Really good car salesman understands. Before I start saying, you know, oh, well, you know, what? we'll take off the siding. We'll take off, you know, the rust protection or whatever. They are already prepared what they're going to give up for a specific price or for a type of customer avatar, a type of seller. I'm sorry, buyer in that sales presentation. They've already gone over that in their head. The best of them have done that before. They're like, okay, I know. So you as the buyer, you're thinking, yeah, you know what? I'm getting something out of it. And you actually are. But that salesperson already knew what they would they're willing to give up to get this sale because they like, you know what? Cost benefit. That's an additional 2,500. That's an additional 1,000, whatever it may be. That really isn't going to help us at the, in the long run because you know what's going to help us in the long run? This person buying this new car and making those car payments. That's what's going to help us. That's a little kind of like the icing on the cake. That ain't even icing on the cake. That's the flakes and the little cherries or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's a little more topping. Now, don't get me wrong, some cute, some coconut shavings or something on there on the top of right cake, that could be kind of good. But you know what? We're going to do without. As long as we got icing, as long as I got the filling, I got my cake. I'm good to go. Yes, I know. It's a bad joke. Sorry. But how you present that in a negotiation will determine how far you get in business. Even... I'm going to take it to an op, uh, to an employee level for a second. Even when you're negotiating and you should salary. When you should negotiate, hey, I'm going to be here for another year. It's time to reevaluate some things. Are you willing to negotiate that? Because see, that's knowing your own value too. That's knowing what you bring to the table. Which goes right to accountability. What are you bringing to the table? What are you about? What do you do? What makes you unique? What have you achieved and what you have accomplished? Are you measuring these things? Do you hold yourself accountable? I've had to hold myself accountable and I knew, hey, when I was coming up short, I had. Yes, I'm willing to admit that because you know what? I'm holding myself accountable. And I'm willing to work on a plan to, to improve. If you didn't meet that goal, you didn't meet that goal. But at least you you were willing to say, you know what? I'm not going to treat this as a child. I'm going to treat this as an adult. I'm going to treat this as a professional. And then that's when you make a clear assessment. Is this what I really want? So you do a lot of this from the beginning. That way it doesn't bite you in the end. And this is a great interpersonal skill just to have. Do you hold yourself accountable? Because the people who say things like, well, things just happen. Well, you know, the world is like this. 
well, it just wasn't my time. Those are people who not they're not, they're not being rat, they're not being realistic. They're not being honest with you and themselves. Things just didn't work out. Why didn't work out? I don't know. Right, you you know what? They really don't know because they were not taking the time to to properly to properly measure and evaluate what was and wasn't working and why it wasn't working. That's that's a huge factor. And I can't tell you. Well, I say I will tell you. I've literally seen right in a, a branding and, and actually it was more of a digital marketing strategy session where people were like, hey, these clients are falling off. These clients are falling off left and right when they get to a certain point within that, that life cycle of working with us. And it's because the business was not holding itself accountable for the deliverables. And when the business owner had to present to those clients, they were losing. And it's interesting coming from one perspective, like I have my own digital marketing firm and agency, and then I'm speaking to another owner from a branding perspective, you know? And I was like, I'm not talking about your products and services, focus on your branding. Remember I brought up earlier, marketing firms hire other marketing firms. That's a given, they have to. And, and this firm was not a branding business. They didn't focus on any type of branding. They didn't focus on graphic design. Their, their main focus, actually their main focus was search, was search advertisement, search engine optimization. And they just, the owner was really honest with themselves. We're not really branded. You know, we're getting clients, but they're falling off. We're not really branded. We need a branding person. So once again, knowing the power of a network, right? I met this person in one of our LinkedIn groups, connected, helped them out in a few sessions. And what it came back to, are you guys really measuring and holding yourself seriously accountable? Of course, it's a young business, so they're not doing that. That's not in their mindset. It's three people, you know, they just started a startup. They just started. But that can actually lead to a long-term problem that can lead to your business just failing let's just be real right are you setting up goals in the very beginning and holding yourself accountable throughout or is it kind of fly by night kind of thing and a lot of businesses i hate to say it do that no matter what industry because you're in the mix you're building it as you fly and sometimes that work many times it doesn't so you have to hold yourself accountable so basically like smart goals right measurable a time restraint is important strategic but then that measurable piece and that time restraint those are very important factors of the smart goal probably the most important because you're giving yourself an attainable goal okay but you're giving yourself a time frame to do it and you're measuring your performance to reaching that goal that's holding yourself accountable and it's being smart in the long run Okay, so interpersonal skills, teamwork, strong, skillful, verbal and written communication, negotiation skills, accountability. 
Look at this article. These are the most in-demand interpersonal skills because when a person takes on a managerial role, manager, a people manager, right? As they say, who your direct reports? Well, if people are reporting to this person, this person in this managerial role, they're probably reporting to a director, maybe even a vice president, but because maybe they're a senior manager, maybe they're a senior manager, but they don't have a manager up under them. I've seen that plenty of times where senior managers, I don't have a manager yet, so I'm managing all of my people. I'm managing my analysts, my specialists, my technical people, I'm managing all. So they have more direct reports. So they have to answer to a, a senior, okay, we're talking about maybe even a C-level, depending upon how their organizational structure works. So they have to be held accountable. They're not responsible. It goes to, in fact, I'll put one, I'll put one, if you guys wanna see what a racy looks like, put in the comments, racy. A racy, it's spelled, well, it's an acronym, R-A-C-I, stands for responsible or responsibility, accountable or accountability, okay? Consult or consulted or consulting, you know, it can, it can vary. And informed. Okay, so R-A-C-I, responsible, accountable, consulted, informed. And I can't tell you enough <laughs> how many times I've seen the need for a RACI as a project manager, project coordinator, store manager, um, you know, uh, the founder of a, of a startup, working with contractors, work. The best thing is, and I, I mean, this is me getting a little high horse, but the best thing is when you have a racy that you got to give to a client, I, I can't tell you that's actually kind of fun. Because <laughs> they're like, I don't understand what's going on with my team, my employees, and I draft one up for them and they're like, what is this? Is that me? Like, yeah, you are responsible for this. They are accountable for this and then vice versa. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, but it helps clearly define it. So if you guys want to see a, uh, you know, what? I can probably come up with a couple. If you guys want to see an example of a RACI, R-A-C-I, R-A-C-I, okay? Responsible, accountable, consulted, informed. If you want to see an example of a RACI, Put those, uh, put that acronym R-A-C-I, put those letters in the comments. I will post a RACI. In fact, if, if I get enough people, if I get 20 people, 20 people in the comments who say they want to see a RACI, I will make a video on how to make a RACI and how to use a RACI. Okay, so got a couple things. Ooh, I'm giving you guys homework. No, I'm joking. Um, no, because the whole point of this is that it will help you clearly define what you need your team to do, but also what you are responsible for. And if you're a manager and you don't want to take accountability for what your people are doing and you want to just put it on them, I've been in that position before where, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm responsible for a lot, but I'm not accountable. <laughs> I'm not accountable for what you're accountable for. I'm responsible, <laughs> which means I have to get the job done. I have to, you know, do the keystrokes. I have to make the, I have to make the connections. I have to set up the means. I have to do that. But I'm not accountable for the whole group, right? And when managers take a level of accountability, 
it's easier for them to say yes and i only want you to be responsible for this and i want you to focus on this and i want my team to focus on that it's extremely important because unfortunately if you're if you're leadership and if you're a leader you don't do this it's really hard for your people to focus they're kind of all over the place and they're trying to do too much and they get overwhelmed and they don't get enough done and then go into the racy perspective right and it, it still goes with these same things informed okay so let's break it down so if responsible they're responsible for doing the work they're responsible for getting the job done accountable means i'm accountable if you don't get your shinto done if you don't get your work done i'm accountable if i don't see this work get completed i'm the one that has to report on that hey to the directors, senior managers, VPs, whatever it may be, right? And they're gonna look at me, well, why isn't your team taking care of their responsibilities? And as a manager, if I say, I don't know, <laughs> not very accountable, am I, right? That's why interpersonal skills, specifically accountability is so important because no one ever wants to hear a manager, senior manager, a director say, I don't know, or, you know, I just I just no, no, I need to know as a VP talking to my director. Why aren't your people getting this done? I need the why. And why aren't you ensuring that they're getting done? Why aren't you making sure that they have what they need to get it done? Do they have too much on their plate? Are they in the proper position? Do they have the right skills? Tell me because you you are their manager. Consult it. Okay, the C in Racy, consulted. Are you communicating with the right people and letting them know as well as informed, right? Are you talking to the right people and getting their feedback? Are you talking to them in the way that you're going to get feedback? Well, I keep sending people emails. Yeah, but these people only, these people only respond to phone calls. I want to, I'm waiting to do a presentation for them, but they... They're so busy, just shoot them an email. See, that's where that written verbal communication skill comes into play. You know how to communicate with people. That's not just saying you know how to talk to them. You actually know how they will respond. You know what communication is sent them. This goes to marketing. If I'm sending emails and I'm starting an email marketing campaign to a bunch of people who don't open up emails, I don't know my market. I don't know my audience. I, Hey, I'm putting myself out there. I've been in this position where I'm like, I don't want to use that, that social media platform at all. But that's the platform that worked best for that business. And you know what I said? Okay, I hate it, but I'm going to use it. Because that's what my client needs. I don't even like to use it. But that's what my client's audience responds to. So I'm going to learn it and I'm going to be the best at it that I can be for them. And set up their channels and put the right person in place to manage that. That's a very important piece of communication skills, which goes into, once again, racy, holding myself accountable, being responsible, wherever my role had to be in that in that position, right? So check out this awesome article. Um, actually, I'm gonna leave another one, specifically um, from, uh, from Forbes. It's a really great, great piece about the 12 most important, uh, 12 most important skills. And, once again, the same thing that employers are looking for, these are what many of your clients are going to be looking for or your customers are going to be looking for, right? And this is all businesses, people. 
from managing a auto mechanic shop <laughs> to owning a franchise, you can't develop teams that ain't going to work. <laughs> you can't communicate with them. It ain't going to work. You can't negotiate with people. It ain't going to work. You can't hold them accountable. They can't hold you accountable. It's not going to work because overall, remember, your skills are far more marketable. You can transition, take these things. If you got your side hustle going and you want to grow that side hustle to a full fledged business, you're going to need many of these interpersonal skills and preferably one or two of the technical skills, especially based on the industry or the, the sector that you're in. I have yet to see one industry, one field where Excel is not useful. The more capable you are and the more advanced you are in it. I have yet to see one industry for that. Same thing for basic word processing in Microsoft Word, but especially Excel, because we're dealing with so much data, so many numbers, everything from accounting, your basic financial management. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm like basic skills to inter to intermediate. I'm not talking about you being advanced to where you can write the pro rewrite the program. No. I'm not saying where you're setting up macros all day. Macros is another form. I'm not saying where you could do that. I'm saying at the very level, get you to an intermediate level where you can potentially train it out. You can even teach it. Like I said, it's marketable skills. So you could take this from every level, from being a manager, a leader, a people manager, being a consultant to a trainer. Give you three completely different avenues to, to build out revenue and to generate revenue. Cool. So when we come back, we'll go over the book of the episode and we'll close it out. Okay, cool. So we went over the technical skills, the most important technical skills, and then the most important interpersonal skills. And the most important technical skills that are most in demand based on the research here, like I said, it was not only from Indeed, it's also from Forbes, have uh, links to those articles in the description of this episode. Technical skills constantly in demand, have been in demand for years. Excel, if you can get to that intermediate level, that's where a lot of people, and it's actually a, a, an example of the intermediate level and the basic, um, um, the foundation, if you will, of the intermediate level. So it's amazing how many times that's requested by hiring managers. If you're at that level, it's almost like you have a prime pick for almost any position in, 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 in some industries, in some industries. Then Adobe Creative Suite, um, which, you know, has gone over to the Creative Cloud but especially two we're seeing the most. Photoshop, not as much InDesign. InDesign is growing, of course, but Photoshop, just the basics of Photoshop. Um, and then of course, you know, Premiere, Premiere Pro, um, because we're getting a heavy emphasis on video content. So I, it's amazing how that just blew up over the past three years, especially, and it ain't going nowhere. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not going anywhere. Um, there's other, you know, video editing software, but it's not going anywhere. People from everything from advertising, YouTube, um, uh, you know, all the streaming platforms, social media. If you can edit video, you're giving yourself a great advantage just to do side hustles. If you want, if that's what you need to do to get from point A to point B, right? Um, analytics, specific analytic tools. There's a lot of there's Tableau, you know, there's uh, Salesforce has a couple of um of proprietary systems, HubSpot, um, even HubSpot, which is actually one of the CRMs, has a couple of proprietary systems. And of course, but the granddaddy of them all is Google, Google Analytics, not only because it's free, but also because so much is driven from what we're looking for in search, what we're looking for in advertising. I mean, everything from SEO tools, 
um, you know, search engine optimization tools to online advertising tools. A lot of it is based on the framework from what you would see in Google Analytics, Google search. So it's kind of like why bypass learning Google Analytics? When if you understand that, you look at get analytics from a web-based um, search perspective. And then if you wanna get more into customization, you wanna get more to proprietary tools, you can do that. But Google Analytics is a great place to start. It's free, especially if you have your own website, you should, doesn't make sense to have the website if you're not, you know, especially if you're, you're counting on people coming to the website on a regular basis and generate traffic to generate, you know, um, to generate sales or just generate attention to your content. You need to know what's working. You need to know what's not working. You know, what, what gets measured gets managed. It's just that simple. And a lot of employers and a lot of uh, clients and customers are looking for people who can tell them what their data is saying. And that's where analytical tools will help you with that. CRMs. Right, customer relationship management platforms. I brought up Salesforce. I brought up HubSpot. Two of the biggest. Um, the best thing about you know HubSpot, they have a free version. So if you just want to get the basics of it, but as an entrepreneur and business owner, you're you have to know how to manage your customer data, right? Not the data from their personal information data, data from their communications, data from what's working, what's not working. How many times have I reached out to this person? How many times did it take to close this deal? A CRM is invaluable. You do not want to use your email as that. That's old, way old school, trying to use an email as a CRM in some kind of way. Although it can have some contact you know, management, it does not have a customer relationship management component. And the best thing about it is, is that the more, uh, the various, I should say, the various CRMs that you know, you'll get to see what works and what doesn't. And then you make yourself a valuable consultant. Hey, I'm with a company. They're telling me, you know, they use HubSpot just not working out you know what i know salesforce is actually better for you guys based on what you're looking for doing a good comparison you make yourself a valuable consultant at that point right copywriting it's crazy how at one point this was considered one a soft skill which we know we're getting rid of that term completely and a skill that really isn't as important yet every and in fact you know what i'm gonna go to my LinkedIn network and I'm gonna find, I got a couple really good copywriters, I'm gonna find, if I can give them as a guest, I got a couple good a couple good copywriters in mind of how the demand for, the, for their talent skills have gone up over the past five years alone. It's insane. And the reason why they, they specifically are in demand, like I said, I got a couple of my network that I know these, these guys work hard and they get, they get some great, great contracts is because they've been refining that skill and they've been getting better at that skill every single year. So I'll reach out to them, but copywriting, how to make persuasive, how to make very descriptive, cohesive, coherent. Okay, <laughs> let's just be real. <laughs> All right. Copy on whether it be a website, email, sales letters, presentation, documentation materials. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. If you can connect this skill, this technical skill with another technical skill like graphic design, oh my God, you're just blowing a lot of people out of water right off the bat. Um, and that can be used for any industry because all of, all of the industries need these in one capacity or another, right? So once again, you can master it yourself, become a valuable consultant, actually do this. This is your actual job. This is actually your freelance work. This is what your business does or better yet you now start training it out 
and 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 creating skill uh creating courses and um training programs if that's something you look forward to and that's another way to build another form of another line of revenue interpersonal skills teamwork and team building verbal and written communication negotiation skills okay these right off the bat they go they go they connect so well and they all build into being responsible and being able to be held accountable and holding yourself accountable which feeds all into the racy concept right the racy tool that i brought up before remember if you want to see an example of a racy and if i get 20 people in the comments to say racy all you have to do is type in r-a-c-i that's all i need to see if i see 20 different people write that in make a video on how to make a racy how to use a racy the different types of races, right? And which ones are best for your business and your industry. I'll gladly make a video for that. I love, I actually love making those things. I don't know why, but it's really cool. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit of geek. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was me. That was not a cat, that was me. Um, all right, so those are the technical skills and the interpersonal skills. Check out the two articles in the description. That'll lead you a little bit more to understanding how these skills have grown in popularity and more importantly they've grown in the dollars okay so if a company can't hire an fte have you as a consultant get on upwork get your freelance on get on fiverr get your freelance on you know what i'm saying get those dollars up invest that into your business boom done so book of the episode First time somebody suggested this book, I was not really into it, I must admit. It was given to me as a gift. And to be honest with you, kind of put it to the side. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I put it to the side and I was like, eh, not for me. Then reviewed it again. And I don't know if you guys don't know or if you're familiar with the term. I'm going to tell you about yourself. <laughs> Tells you about yourself, okay? It really does. It's, it's brutal, honest. But it's you telling about yourself, technically, okay? Strengths Finder by Tom Rath. And the funny thing is, is that I think, I truly believe that at one point I've seen this book given to high school students, college students. And like I said, I truly believe a lot of people didn't take it seriously. And it's something that should be taken seriously from the very beginning. Basically, it gets to the core of undercovering your talents and optimizing. The sooner we do things like this, the faster we can say, okay, here's my abilities, here are my talents. Remember I brought that up about the legendary stats. Brought that up about connecting your natural abilities and talents to something you truly enjoy and the skills, the skills to set you apart from everyone else. I'll go back to that reference. That's when you reach a Michael Jordan, a Tiger Woods. And I'm using sports and athletics because sports and athletics 
just like with fitness, it's very clear to see it. And you know how we are, we're, we're human. all humans, seeing it, believe it. You know, we gotta see it to believe it. There's a reason why most people think the idea is doctors and lawyers are rich. Because typically when we see the depiction of a doctor or lawyer, they're very wealthy or they're very well off or they're very comfortable in their living, right? So the idea is that all doctors and lawyers are rich. Hence why a lot of people will go to college and they're like, I wanna be a doctor or lawyer because they want a very comfortable life, right? They figure, hey, I'm gonna put all this time and effort and energy and money into my education and into training because I'm gonna have a comfortable lifestyle on the, on the other side of that. Because that's what's been depicted to us. That's what's been presented to us, seen as believing. So I give you the same example of an athlete because that's one of the best ways for us to clearly say, oh, for those of us, and you can even, I'll, I'll go to another person. I'll go to somebody, you know, a little closer uh, when it comes to one of the best players who's playing right now. We'll go to LeBron James in the NBA, right? Seen as believing. One of, I would probably say from what I know, yeah, you know, definitely from what, I, from what I've heard, the most expensive regimen of keeping yourself in shape, in prime shape, is probably LeBron James. Well, from what I know, is definitely LeBron but it might be for all of athletes in the world, right? Man spends millions upon millions of dollars, right? Same thing, Tom Brady did very something very similar. He spent a lot of money, a lot of time in trying to stay as best in game shape as possible for his position, right? Recently retired, Tom Brady quarterback in the NFL. And the crazy part about that is how that connects with this book is the same thing of focusing on okay what is that innate ability what is that what is that talent that is just kind of at the core that you just haven't released yet and you haven't under you haven't identified what you could tap into to basically not necessarily uh, yeah be the best you could be you know i'm trying not to use too many cliches here but just being real with you right this is an assessment that has been utilized from, I mean, probably every Fortune 500 company within the past, at the very least, at one point, every five, every Fortune 500 company, right? We've seen a lot more um, polls and surveys and assessments come out over the past five to 10 years. But this has become a mainstay that, that managers, senior managers, training managers, human resources people have often used to help individuals truly see what their untapped resources in and optimize those abilities and those talents within their um, their employees and their team members. And why not? I mean, the best that you can be for yourself. If you're listening to this, you're the here at the Ambition Show, you're you're listening to this because you have a specific goal, you have something that you want to achieve in your professional purpose. And you want to connect it either to your creative ability, something you just enjoy personally, whatever it may be. If you're going to do it, be the best at it. The best at it for you. This is a great tool to help you do it. And like I said, first time I was getting it, I didn't take it seriously. Because I was like, ah, another book that's going to help me with an assessment and give me a survey. And No. If it's an opportunity... Don't be afraid of that opportunity. That's the difference between those who are gonna reach the heights of their abilities and the best that they can be, and those who will be 
yeah, I'm gonna call it out. Those are gonna be average and mediocre at the being themselves, which is really weird. How would you want to be average and mediocre being yourself? That's not thriving. That's barely surviving. Right? So have a link for this book um, and to take the assessment. And it's a fantastic free tool. The book, go out and purchase it, get the most out of it, take the free assessment. It's still there, it's still live, it's still active. And really work on not only what interpersonal skills that you need to develop, but what technical skills you can tie those to. Because I can tell you right now, I've seen it, seen it firsthand, corporate world, and as an entrepreneur running my own business, when people have a, understand how to present data, especially I'm gonna give you, I'm giving you real examples. When people have that ability and they understand how to present data, they, they're gonna trump everybody else. They're gonna outdo everyone else. I don't care how skillful you are with analysis, with analytics. Can you make it sound another? Have you, I don't know if you've ever heard this term before, but if you guys have, <laughs> it, at first you're kind of like, huh? But speak to me like I'm a five year old. Speak to me like I'm a kid that, well, he, adults, you can't retain their attention half the time, too. I mean, come on, let's, let's think about it. We all know. But speak to me like a kid. Like a kid that, you know, I'm, I want to go outside. I want to I want to play a video game. I want to get on my phone real quick and I want to you know, play some some new game. I want to download on my parents' phone that they probably have to pay $19.99 a month for and they won't notice until they've been paying it for six months. Because, you know, they have the, the tap where you can purchase anything and the kid knows how to do the tap. The kid's smart enough to probably take the parent's finger, the thumb and press the phone just to make sure that it goes through the, the, the thumb security <laughs> scan. Speak to me like I'm that kid, <laughs> okay? Break it down like a fraction for me. In fact, break it down less than a fraction. <laughs> okay, give me, give, spoon feed me. <laughs> Honestly, spoon feed me. And, and here's the crazy part about that. Using that example, it's not because you're not smart. Definitely it's not saying that the kid isn't smart. Clearly the, kid, the child is very intelligent. It's because your intention span is shorter or because when we do these presentations, when we have to present large data sets, when we have to present results to clients, you're talking about, you're talking about a CEO. You're talking about a VP. You're talking about a business owner. They hired you for a reason. They contracted you for a reason. They brought you through the door for a reason. They're asking you to fix their car for a reason. I don't care what the business is. Full circle, I don't care what the business is. You're the expert, I'm not. But I need to understand it so I can keep hiring you. So I can keep paying you. So I can refer you. What skills do you need? Do you need to acquire? Do you need to heighten? This book helps you do that. This assessment helps you do that. So let me know. That's your free takeaway. You've got link to the free skills finder. I'm sorry, strengths finder. For your skills to, to really refine those interpersonal skills and technical skills. And one of the sites that has some really great training 
courses because um, once you identify which skills need to be developed, this is one of the platforms that I've used the most when it comes to online uh, online learning, especially, you know, it was heightened, of course, during pandemic and quarantine and everything. But I was already accustomed to online learning. But I love the pl I love the programs that are on here. Um, I would say that out of all of the online training and, and platform uh, online learning platforms this is my favorite um, Udemy there's a link to Udemy and there's some great courses for everything from presenting developing presenting skills so it, not just the technical side of it in PowerPoint Google Slides um, you know Adobe um, Adobe Reader and Adobe Acrobat and PDFs but also courses in Canva courses on how to present online, utilizing Zoom, just become more engaging in your presentations and live streaming. But on the other side, copywriting skills, sales skills, right? So check that out. Once you identify, you finish the Strengths Finder, then identify okay, from there, you have your skills. Okay, these are skills I need to heighten, these skills I need to reinforce. Let me go to Udemy and see what courses are available. And you know what? I, I know I gave you some homework already. I'm giving you one more piece. One more piece. I know. I'm sorry. I got to give it. I got to do it. Because for those of you who too, do take advantage of that link on uh, when you did me, I just want to know what course you're taking. And I'll tell you what course I'm going to take because um, I learned this from I've had three like three formal mentors when it comes to professional development. And the last one. Um, one thing I took from him that I thought was a great and it made perfect sense of why he kept advancing. Now, I will admit he was the only one that wasn't a full time, strictly entrepreneur. He had a full time job, but he also had a very, very successful side hustle, if you will. But he didn't treat it like a side hustle. He treated it like a real business. Right. I brought that up before. Um, but the thing that he did every single year, he said, I got to obtain one new skill. From beginner to at the very least in an intermediate level that if I'm still a beginner at the end of the year, then that means I didn't really do it. And he had done that consistently for over a decade. That's why he acquired certifications. He acquired all, all kinds of I mean, you could do it. Anything. I mean, he basically was. I wouldn't say he wasn't even a jack of all trades because <laughs> he was more of a, an intermediate expert level at different trades. But he always ensured that it, it, it could feed back into his his full-time business and or the um the the, the second uh, side business if you will so that's one thing i took from him and since then for the past five years that's all i've been doing like every year i will focus on a new skill so i'm taking a course in udemy i've just got to select which one this year um i usually don't you know really get kick started with it fe until february a lot of people what they'll do is they'll jump into something in january and they'll get burnt out I noticed that if you let that January pass a little bit, like kind of just get over the holidays and all the transition New Year's, and then you kickstart something in February, you'd be shocked how you actually have no problem finishing it by December, like and really getting it done. You, you consistently got it done. We'll go over that in, in, a, in a one shot. But um, yeah, check out Udemy. Let me know what course you're taking. Let me know what course, um, you know, you can drop a link or just the name of the course. Um, but yeah, put that in the comments, put that in the comments and I'll let you know which course I'm going to take. And, uh, we could talk about our progress, you know, about once again, like I said, 
over the course of the year, not not just saying all the way up to June. And then you're like, eh, I'm gonna let it go. Because the cool part about Udemy, this is one of my favorite things about it, is that you, you just pay for it. It's not a monthly thing. You don't pay every month. You, know, you pay for it and you have it forever. And when it's updated, it's updated. It's a really cool program. It's a really cool program. And I've taken a number of courses. Uh, but like I said, every year I'm taking something new um, or every year I'm do acquiring new skills. So this year I'm taking something on Udemy. So cool. Check the link. Let me know. So here are your takeaways. Once again, you have a link to the Strength Finder book. Purchase it. Read it. Take it seriously. Don't do like I did in my early 20s. <laughs> um, <and laughs> oh, to be 20. Yet. No. Um, then take the free online course. There's a, uh, the online assessment, sorry. The online assessment is right there for you. It's a link in the description. And there is a link for the Udemy platform. So you know what skills you need to check out and you need to purchase. Let me know what course you're taking. And with that, I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you for joining us for the Ambition Show. Skills are worth more than talent. Firmly believe it. If you think differently, hey, I'm all open to your opinion. But you gotta have, you gotta have, you gotta bring up the facts to support that argument. I would love to see if someone had an argument for that. That talent is worth more than skill and overall value, like I presented. But hey, I'm open. I'm open to a discussion. So, our next episode. Do you have a rich uncle? More importantly, do you have a rich uncle that's actually going to give you the money to start your business? Most likely not. <laughs> Most likely not. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how to be your own, your own primary source of investment for your entrepreneurial endeavor, your venture. How to be your own venture capitalist. And it, it's going beyond then, okay, I'm getting my paycheck for my day job or I'm getting my paycheck for my full-time job and I'm putting a little aside for my business. It goes beyond that. And, and it's interesting how a lot of people miss that. They think that's the only way and the only form and only avenue. I'm going to show you ways that you can go along and invest in yourself. And then when you actually do want to present to a angel investor, a venture capitalist, a bank, you look a lot better in a very decent amount of time, I'm talking like within a year, maybe at the most five years, depending upon how much investment you need and how much capital you need and, you know, the type of capital you're going to pursue. But next episode, how to be your own venture capitalist. That is in the next episode of The Ambition Show. Once again, I've been your host, Aaron Muhammad. It's been a pleasure to provide you with this information. It's been a pleasure to see your comments in the past episodes and look forward to your comments from this episode. Do you want to see a racy? Let me know. Are you going to take the Udemy course? What Udemy course are you going to take? Pick it. Leave a link to that course or, or that uh, program in the comments as well. Peace. Have a great one. See you around.